You're listening to the podcast of East River Park Christian Church. If you'd like to find out more information about the church or donate to this ministry, please visit us at eastriverpark.church. We pray that this is an encouragement to you as you grow in Christ through the local church. Life was unraveling. It wasn't supposed to be this way. He had done nothing wrong. He had been faithful. And piece by piece, his vision for their future was splittering, splitting apart and, and scattering on the floor. He remembered how, how beautiful she looked when they had set the arrangement. He remembered her smile. He remembered her laugh. Remembered her voice. Remember the stories they would tell about their future home and, and the little family. It all felt like a distant memory. The love of his life, his bride-to-be, was pregnant. And he knew in the, in the deepest part of his, of his heart that the child was not his own. So whatever was ahead... He knew, he knew the only answer would be a, a quiet divorce. He was a righteous man. He was a just man. He, he loved her with everything. He didn't want shame or worse to be placed on her. Yeah, a quiet, hushed divorce was the only option. Resolved in his mind to make this right. He laid his head down to sleep. Joseph. Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. The child is conceived from the Holy Spirit. Joseph, she will, she will have a boy, and his name will be Jesus. And this child will save his people from their sins. Don't you remember? I mean, don't you remember what the prophet Isaiah said? A virgin will conceive and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. And his eyes shot open. After 500 years of silence, could it be, could this prophecy be unfolding in his own home? Mary, the betrothed, pregnant with the hope of the world. Could it be God with us? From impending divorce to the birth of the Savior in the manger, it is the Christmas story of Emmanuel, so let me show you why that still matters today. We will start in Isaiah 9, if you have a digital Bible. I'll be reading out of the ESV. If you have a bulletin, it's all there in the bulletin. But we'll start in Isaiah 9, as we will every week of this study. But before we um, study the passage, let's, let's pray together. God, we set aside all the things that, that fill our mind during this time. All of the rush, God, all of, all of the worry, all of the anxiety, all of, all of the, the deep loneliness, God, we set it aside. God, pierce our numb hearts. 
for a culture that's heard the Christmas story a thousand times pierce our heart. God, may we not walk out of here numb to any of it. God, teach us uh, from the prophet Isaiah. Teach us from the gospel of John. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. What does Emmanuel mean? Well, we've, we've heard it. We sing it. We've seen it on countless Christmas cards. What, what does Emmanuel mean? Well, to state the obvious, we can start with what the angel told Joseph in Matthew 1. Emmanuel means God with us. Let me say that again. Because I, I think we have conditioned, we've been so conditioned in our religious culture to hear such powerful and profound truths with a careless heart. The name given to the Christ child means God with us. God. Omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, eternal, immutable, holy, loving, mercy-filled, just, righteous, good, faithful, God with us. So for all the times we feel the loneliness, for all the times we feel like everyone's given up on us, for all the times we feel like we've given up on ourselves, for the moments and seasons where God feels so very far away, his name is Emmanuel, God with us. And even then, you know, what does that mean? Because I'm confident that God with us has some pretty serious implications because Matthew 1 isn't the first time we've heard Emmanuel. It was the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 7, a man that began his ministry around 740 B.C. in the year that King Uzziah died, a man that began his ministry during the rise of the Assyrian Empire, a man that spoke truth and hope to God's people. So if we want to know more about what Emmanuel means, we must first look to the book of Isaiah. So just two verses to start us off. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. But there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. And the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, and those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. A message of hope for gloom in the land, a gloom in the northern area of Galilee where the Assyrians are most certainly plundering, a prophetic message of, of hope to the lost. I mean, don't we feel that? Doesn't it feel like we live in a pretty gloomy time? I mean, it gloomy outside today. Doesn't it feel like the, the enemy is rising? Doesn't it feel like that, that weight of emptiness this morning? And yet, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. 
And yet when all hope was lost, when those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, there was a light that shined. What does Emmanuel mean? A question we will answer every week of this series. What does Emmanuel mean? Let me give you point one. It means Christ brings light to the world. Christ brings light to the world. Point one, Christ brings light to the world. And since I can't, you know, I can't just give you one point <laughs> on a Sunday, uh, let me explain point one with some subpoints. Let me explain that even further with the help of, of the Gospel of John, the implications of Emmanuel, the implications of Christ as the light of the world. So let's turn over to John chapter 1. So this is John chapter 1. I'll start in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things that were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made, and in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man, a man sent from God whose name was John. And he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own. His own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So, I mean, what kind of light are we talking about? What is the light of Christ that we see in our Bibles? Let me explain a few subpoints. Letter A, if you're a note taker. A light for those that walk in darkness. It's that kind of light. A light for those that walk in darkness. And, and do not miss what is said in verses 1 through 2. They infinitely matter as we gather to celebrate this Christmas. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All right, what are we talking about? Well, look down at verse 14, or it will be on the screen. Verse 14, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Meaning Christ, the Son of God, has always been. That the manger scene wasn't God in glory thinking, you know, we did say something about like a Messiah in those older books. Um, all right, hear me out, Father, Holy Spirit. Uh, what if there was one more? You know, I've heard three is better than two. Um, and, and, you know, what if we, you know, we name him Jesus, something like that? No, that's not a conversation in the heavens. The incarnate Christ is not a new idea. 
Christ is the Word, and the Word has always existed. Christ has been, always will be. Donald McLeod, he put it like this. In the New Testament, Jesus' existence as a man is a continuation of his previous or prior existence as a heavenly being. The Word who dwelt among us is the same as the Word who was with God. The Christ who is found in form as a man is the very one who previously existed in the form of God. That's who, lie, who is lying in the manger in Bethlehem. And in Christ, verses 4 through 5, in Christ was life and the light of men. And in Christ was the light that shines in the darkness. Christ is the light for those that walk in darkness. And let me be clear about that. When Scripture says darkness, it doesn't mean our, our sad or disappointing situations. Darkness is not a long December, just hoping on hope that next year will be better than the last. The idea of darkness is for those that are dead in sin. That's darkness. The idea of darkness is for those that are living a life apart from the Lord. I think you know who those people are. I think you know if that's you. Ephesians 4, 18, it says, They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. Meaning Christ has not come to shine light on some bad situations so we can all gather and say like, oof, now that Jesus turned the lights on, we can see how bad things really are. No, it's more than that. Light for those that walk in darkness is turning on the light in our heart so that we might glorify Christ Jesus forever. That, that's what Emmanuel's come to do to turn on the lights and the darkness of our heart. Let me show, you, show it to you in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 5. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God and the face of Jesus Christ. If Christ has not come, if Christ did not show up, who will illuminate the darkness within? Because I can promise you it ain't you. We are, I mean, we are so blind in our own sin that we will not go find the light switch on our own. You can try. You just ain't going to find it. Because that's not the gospel. That's not what the word says. It is the light of Christ that has illuminated our hearts that walk in darkness. That's why we want God with us. That's why we need Christ with us. So if, if Emmanuel has flipped the switch in your heart, then the next implication is necessary. Point B, it's a light for those to bear witness. Verse 6 there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Specifically, John the Baptist, son of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And John was 
sent to bear witness about the light. Why? So that all might believe through him. For sure, yeah, he's not the light. He's not. He said it. He knew that. He just came to bear witness about the light. So I'd say, friends, if Christ has made you alive, if Christ has has shined his light in the darkness of your heart, then the calling of John the Baptist is also your calling today. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We are his ambassadors. We are his representatives, which is first by example, but also by speech. All right, so just just play it out in your head. What if the ministry of John the Baptist was just to be a really nice guy and a really good guy at work? What if that was his ministry? What if the ministry of John was to do random acts of kindness in the community? Bet he wouldn't have lost his head. Would have been respectable. Probably would have been a little more well-liked. But that's not his primary ministry, and it's not yours either. So somewhere along the way, the Bible Belt started to believe that the greatest need of this community, the greatest need of our community is free bread, but our greatest community, our greatest need in this community is the bread of life. Like we preach Christ. We come to bear witness to the light of Christ. So that's at your your school. That's at your job. That's with your friends. That's with your family. We, We come to bear witness to the light of Christ Certainly by example, but also by speech. We tell people who Jesus is and all that he has done for us. And if you're thinking, well, I'm not really qualified for that. So what? So what? I mean, neither was John the Baptist. Guys out in the desert, camel hair, eating bugs. I mean, good thing it ain't about John. Good thing it's not about you. It's not about me. His qualification to bear witness wasn't on the outside. His qualification was being sent by the Lord and being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And the same spirit that rested on John to bear witness, well, that spirit actually lives inside of you. Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem, and all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. I think, you know, what a unique opportunity this month to bear witness to the light of Christ. What are you sharing with others this month? Because for myself, I I tend to bear witness to how busy I am. Bear witness to how many things I've got on my schedule this week, how much I need to get done, how many things I need to worry about. That's what I tend to bear witness to in December, and I promise you I've already been confronted on that and convicted. Seriously, y'all, when did we forget our primary mission? When did we forget to take the gospel to the nations? My guess is when we forgot to take the gospel to our families. 
when we forgot to take the gospel to our children and our grandchildren. So I'm not saying you have to read a, an Advent devotional to your kids, but if Jesus has changed your life, how are you teaching your children how he can change their life too? What, I mean, what does your December calendar bear witness to? It's the light of Christ for those to bear witness. Lastly, letter C, it's a light for those to become the children of God. He's the true light. He gives light to everyone. He came into the world. The world was made through him. And that world, his own people, did not know him. Christ came to his own people and they did not receive him. Specifically, the ethnic Jewish people, Christ being fully God and a fully Jewish man, came to his own people and they rejected him. It's still true today. The Israel today that was declared in 1948 is less than 2% Christian, if you didn't know that. Many, many, a majority of his own people still reject him today. So Israel, if you didn't realize this, is not filled with Christ-exalting believers. Less than 2% claim Christ. Which is why Christ came not just for the Jewish population, but for all people. Look at verse 12. For those that do receive him, for those that do believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And I need to address a common misconception I hear all the time. A misconception that I heard literally this week from a pulpit. I hear all the time that everyone is a child of God. And we say that, I mean, I get it. We say that with really good intentions. We say that because we want to treat people um, with respect. We want to treat people equally with love. It's the first part's not true. What we really mean is that everyone is made in the image of God. Or you might have heard the Imagio Dei. It's Genesis 127. So God created man in his own image. and the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. So every person on this planet that has ever existed, every person is made in the image of God. Every person has meaning and value. And that's 100% true. And this world would be a better place if Christians treated people like they actually believed that. But it's an entirely different reality to be called a child of God. Because as verse 12 just told us, it's only for those that receive, only those who believe in his name, that are given the right to become the children of God. It's not your own doing. It's not because your parents or your grandparents were Christian. 
It's not because you grew up in the South. It's not because you're a member or a regular attender of East River Park. It's not because you, you really, you really, 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 really wanted to become a child of God. It's because of God. God did that. God took you and I, a son or daughter of disobedience, and made us children of God. Ephesians 5, verse 6. Let no one deceive you. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were in darkness, but now you're the light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Because the light of Christ has come into the world, we too might become the children of the light. So yeah, I'm fully aware that your family might not be very perfect. Does anyone have some dysfunction in their family? All right, I think it was me and three other people, but all right. Thanks, Kathy. Where's Joanne at? Is he out there? Okay, I was just joking. <laughs> Moms and dads that were never around. Press further, or you wish they weren't when they were. Brothers, sisters, cousins, aunts, uncles, seem like they love to start drama. Sin has fractured the family unit. So when I think of Emmanuel, I'm reminded of John 1, that as broken as your family might be, you're adopted into a new family. With a dad that never disappoints. With a unity that can't be shaken. A child of God, a child of light. So here's the honest truth. We will never, we will never be able to properly lead our physical family until we understand what it means to be a child of God in God's family. So as we gather this month, as we gather with physical family, let us remember and represent the family that we eternally belong to. God with us means God has adopted us. We are his. And Emmanuel means that you'll never be left alone again. We never have enough. It's the one thing always run out of in our home. And it's not milk. And it's not bread. Um, we always run out of AA batteries. And especially raising young kids, it is tis the season for people to give them toys they don't need that require like eight uh, AA batteries. And I don't know if my kids are just taking them out of the package and throwing them in the trash, but um, they're, we're always out of stock. And I don't know about your kids, my kids, uh, they don't really plan ahead. So as I tuck them in at night, the boys will begin to beg for batteries. They each have a small red flashlight um, that they use to read books in their bed. And I don't care how late they stay up as long as they're reading quietly in their bed. Um, but it's always a, a bedtime emergency. They never last long enough 
for their, their flashlights. There is gloom in the land. There is darkness around us. And the important reminder of God's word is that the light of Christ shines in the darkness. The darkness will not overcome it. Why? Well, because the source of the illumination is Emmanuel. Revelation 21. Verse 22, I saw no temple in the city, for it's the temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And that city, well, that city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. It's the glory of God that gives its light. Its lamp is the Lamb. And by its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day. There will be no night there. They will bring into the glory and honor of the nations a light for those that walk in darkness, a light for those to bear witness, a light for those to become children of God, a light that will never go out, a light that doesn't flicker and exhaust, a light that doesn't grow tired. The source of illumination is Emmanuel, God with us. So that's your main point. Your main point, Christ with us means light with us. Let's pray together. God, we're um, thankful for your word. A Christmas story reminds us of, of the gospel. This is what it's all about. God, that Christ has, has come to shine light in the darkness of our heart, that we might bear witness to that light for the darkness in our, our families, the darkness at our work, the darkness in, in our, even our friend groups, God, the darkness in the school. We bear witness to the light of Christ. God, and I'm, I'm thankful for the reminder of your word, the reminder of revelation. That light's not gonna go out. But the source of illumination, Emmanuel, God, with us. God, thank you for your word. Pray these things in your son's name. Amen.